Hi, everyone. I'm Dave Butler. I'm Stephen Tager. Welcome to the Revival Podcast. We are so happy you're here. Happy Tuesday. If you listen to this on the day it comes out. If you're new, we do it on Tuesdays because Tuesday is the day of double blessings, according to the Hebrew Bible. So we just really, it legit is picked for that very reason. No one wants a podcast on Monday. Even though my other one comes out <laughs> <laughs> on Mondays, but we hope every week you come for 25 minutes to talk about something that will fill you with hope, thrill your soul, some good news. The world needs more and more and more good news that is true, and uh, we hope to be able to provide it for you on this podcast. We take a new talk every single week from General Conference, from the last General Conference, to kind of lead the give us the topic to talk about and just kind of relish in the fact that we have uh, modern witnesses that can teach us and guide us and be uh, heralds of the good news. I don't really like that word herald, but angels, is that fine? You don't like herald? Well, listen, I just, it just makes me sound, sound like as your neighbor, your old neighbor, Harold or something like that. <laughs> you know, I like it. Hark the herald angels sing. They can I love sing that song. There, but like when you just say, I'm a herald. You're like, oh, I'm a Betty or whatever is what you want to say <laughs> back to it. So, okay. Today, our talk is Elder Suarez. And his talk is so good. It the is. name of it, brothers and sisters in Christ. And we were just talking before we started about, it is nuts to me to think about Sometimes at night, Jenny and I just lay in our bed and we show each other memes that we're looking at. It's probably not like the, it's not marriage advice for anybody or, or anything like that, but you know, you just kind of get caught looking at them and it is wild to me how accurate some of them are. Like, I, like I'm just like, how in the world do you think the same way as me? Like I saw one the other day that just says, why does October Thursdays and 8 p.m. all feel the same. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's so true. Wait a minute, wait, wait a minute. What does Thursday and 8 p.m. feel like? That, the vibe of Thursday is the vibe of 8 p.m. And it's the vibe of October. They just have a... Well, what is the vibe? Okay, let me take this back. Everyone on earth except Stefan <laughs> thinks the same about these kind of things. <laughs> I'm just but, trying to think. Uh, a th I love Thursday. It's Friday Eve. It feels yeah, awesome. Yeah, 8 p.m. is great too. It's like a great time, October. Maybe it's a great feeling. I don't know. But I'm saying there's like, do you know what I'm talking about? Where right. you like open up a, a meme and you're just like, how are like how yeah. do you, you read my mind? <laughs> how do you know that exact right. experience? And I'm with kids, with shopping, with holidays, with family, with whatever. It's like it just is. I read them and I am convinced. That I'm like, wait a second, we're way more similar than we, we have way more in common than we have different then, from each other. That's often, yeah, often differences are emphasized. Yeah. But we have a whole lot in common as well. In fact, Elder Suarez, he says this, how was that transition? Was that good? Uh, kind of rough, but go ahead. Okay, here we go. This, <laughs> this is what he says. The gospel of Jesus Christ teaches that we are all begotten spirits, sons, and daughters of heavenly parents who truly love us and that we lived as a family in God's presence before we were born on this earth. By the way, that's packed with restoration truths and doctrines yeah. that make us a very, some of the unique parts of our tradition. The gospel also teaches- Which I would say, it ought to be the reason that of all 
the more you know about the reality of this world that we're living in and the relation, the reality of the relationship that we have with other people in God, like people act the way they believe. They act based off of the things, the that stories they, they embrace. Yeah. They act those out. Yeah. And it's yeah. just like, shouldn't this be the prevailing story, particularly among Latter-day Saints who have restored these restored truths, like spoken from their pulpits and hopefully echoing around in their hearts and minds. Yeah, absolutely. It should change us deeply. He continues and he says, the gospel also teaches that we were all created in the image and likeness of God. Therefore, and this is key, we are equal before him. For, mm. quote, he hath made of one blood all nations of men and women. Therefore, we all have divine nature, heritage, and potential. For there's one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in us all. So right there, that's what we start off with what's in common is that there's, we are children of God creating his image and therefore we all have equal worth in his eyes. That right there, that one truth right there would solve so many problems if people right. live that out and embrace that. Right. Maybe all of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if people just knew there is a God, we are his children and we should treat God and his children as such. Right. Just that. Yeah. And I think it's, I went through and highlighted one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven times. And I could even be missing one. That word all is in that, just that one paragraph that he, hundred percent, none are excluded from, from that truth, from those relationships, from this family, right? Nobody that you ever will meet or see or not meet or see is excluded from, from this family. And that's, a, that's a kind of how I want to say it from now on, right? It's yeah. like you're a part of this family, right? Yeah. And the, the sealing doctrine is not just about sealing nuclear families together, but it's really about sealing the whole human family together. Right. There's something about that that's so rich to me. And I, I really love the, you know, that concept of your family is forever. But Remember when you like grew up and thought it was like all of you as siblings and your mom and dad, you're like, oh, this is our family. And then all of a sudden you're like sitting at your house one day and you're the dad and you're like, oh my gosh, wait a second. My kids think this is the one, <laughs> you know, and I was like, and I grew up thinking, and they're going to like, yeah. you know, but I'm way more interested in just the concept of the whole family of God, like that God is intent on rescuing, saving, bringing back all of his children. Like, man, I, that to me is a really rich truth of the restoration. Yeah. To like live and thinking about this is our whole family and our, and our experiences are really, really similar. Like the problems that you face or the problems that other people face in the specifics might be different, but I feel like we can all talk with each other and say, if you have the printout version, it's paragraph 22. <laughs> but he Are you trying this. to make me feel bad? No, <laughs> I'm not. I'm just saying you can print it out for free. If we look at the apparent differences that exist between us with the Savior's eyes and based on what we have in common, our divine identity and kinship. And then he said this, moreover, we can strive to see ourselves reflected. We can see ourselves reflected in the dreams, hopes, sorrows, and pains of our neighbor. Mm. And there are like friends I have that deal with struggles that I don't. And I want to say, 
I don't know that, but I do know struggle and I do know loss. Maybe you're of not your particular kind. And I do know what it means to wish for something I don't have. And I do know what heartbreak feels like. Maybe not of your particular kind, but that we have in common. I can see my hopes and dreams and sorrows and pains reflected in you. And there's something about that that is, I think, really a powerful approach and living and overcoming the just the cultural like we are like baptized in a culture of conflict. Like we just live it and breathe it everywhere. An emphasis on the differences you're saying. And I just I love this count this push against it. Yeah. We need God's a, deliberately pushing against right. it. We need a, a different kind of baptism when when Elder Soros says, what you just read, when he says, moreover, we can strive to see ourselves reflected in the dreams, hopes, sorrows, and pains of our neighbor. And one of my top favorite books of all time is The Anatomy of Peace, written by the Arbinger Institute, who was, their work is deeply influenced by C. Terry Warner, who I've talked about before on the show. And they say, the way that you stop seeing someone as an object, either to be used or ignored. And by the way, when you see someone as an object, as just to your life or your happiness or someone who gets in the way of those things, no matter how you treat them behaviorally, it will come across demeaning and hurtful. Mm. And so that's one of the key insights of this book. But what they teach in, in the anatomy of peace is that the way you start seeing someone as a human is see them as someone who has hopes, dreams, sorrows, and pains in a similar way that we do, that their wishes and desires and thoughts and hopes and humanity matter just as much as ours. Mm. And when you actually engage in conversation with that, that's where healing begins. Because whatever listening techniques or whatever way you enter into a conversation, if you start off with the foundational belief of this is a person that matters just as much as I matter, hmm. what they want matters just as much as what matters, just as what, then we can actually start to get somewhere, right? Yeah. And I think I just, as you were saying, that made me think of this line, two parts of that same paragraph 22, Stephen. The first part was, as sons and daughters of the covenant. I was like, that's so interesting that you decided to start that idea that way. And to use that particular phrase, sons and daughters of the covenant, because then it says right after, and I think this may be why, he says, as we look at the apparent differences that exist between us with the Savior's eyes, it like, it would just be like, I would almost say like, okay, the way he sees people. And then I would add into that and his intentions with people. When he says, I want you to, as a son and daughter of the covenant, I want you to stand as a witness of me in all times, in all places, in all things. And to me, that means I want you to speak the words I would speak in that, in that time, place, or whatever those words are. I want you to feel after them the way I would feel after them. I want you to try and heal the way I would heal if I were there. When you look at them through my eyes, I want you to see the hurt and then want to do something about it. I want you to, does that make sense? Yeah, what I'm trying to, 100%. And I, I really love where he just says, see them with the Savior's eyes. And I would just say like, and with the Savior's heart. As part of that. I think yeah. that would be a, a part of seeing someone in that way. Love that. Un unfortunately, not everyone does. And, and Elder Suarez quotes President Nelson as saying, the creator of us all calls on each of us to abandon attitudes of prejudice against any group of God's children. 
any of us who has prejudice towards another race needs to repent. It behooves each of us to do whatever we can in our spheres of influence to preserve the dignity and respect every son and daughter of God deserves. It's so interesting, President Nelson's prescription for this problem. Mm, I love that you just called it that. You know, yeah. Everyone in the world have their own ways of how to fix this. But the problem with prejudice or hatred or racism of any kind towards any group is that it's a sin. Like I, we don't have the resources as humans to root this problem out by ourselves. To root out sin. Right, yeah. to sin, right? And these are just varieties of that. And so ultimately what will bring this world together are gospel solutions, hmm. are, is gospel medicine. Yeah. The love and grace and sanctifying spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course we work and use whatever solutions we can, but the gospel is really the antidote for hatred. Mm, that's powerful. I love that. And I, I love that that's a call out. He calls on us to do something about it, mm. to, to push back, right? To say, listen, you have a grander purpose here, and this is getting in the way. And maybe that's the very definition of sin, the things that would get in the way of right. God's grand purposes. Yeah. Never thought about that. But that's a good definition. Who wrote that down? Who wrote that down? <laughs> And he says, we've got to like, we have to address this. We have to bring the gospel, bring Jesus into this particular problem. Absolutely. It needs healing. Yeah. It needs solving. Heart, our hearts need healing and fixing, you know, all yeah. of us. Like it just is that idea of like, oh, if we all went to the Savior and asked him to heal our hearts, that would actually end up being the That is the solution. solution. Right, yeah. Elder Suarez, in quite an open and vulnerable moment, he says, I have deep compassion for those who have been mistreated, belittled, or persecuted by unfeeling and thoughtless people. Because in the course of my life, I have seen firsthand the pain good people suffer from being judged or dismissed because they happen to speak, look, or live differently. And then he, and then he adds this uh, key, and this is, this is a, just a beautiful Christian insight. And, and this is tough, what he's about to say in a, in a certain way, if, it, if it's misunderstood. But he, Elder Suarez continues, and he says, I also feel genuine sorrow in my heart for those whose minds remain darkened, whose mm -hmm. vision is limited, and whose hearts remain hardened by the belief in the inferiority of those who are different from them. Their limited view of others actually obstructs their ability to see who they are as children of God. Talking about the uh, the ones with the hatred and the prejudice right. in them. Right. He says, and, and he says, Elder Suarez has not fallen for the temptation to hate the people who hate. Right. Instead, he feels sorrow for them. Mm. And one of the ways that, because what hatred does, what pride does, I mean, the most common people we're prideful towards are prideful people. <laughs> the most common way that we are hate, hateful towards people are towards people who actually have hate. And because pride invites other people to be prideful, and the way we prevent ourselves from falling into that is to have real compassion that um, they are under that influence of hatred, which is blinding their minds and making their life more difficult and certainly making life more difficult for the people around them. Hmm. They think their anger and their hatred is somehow helping, but it's actually hurting. Hmm. And when you know people are stuck in that own, their own prison, uh, you can start to feel compassion for them and try to help them out of that through love and, and that compassion you're feeling towards them. 
Yeah, it's man. It just feels like a like a you called it earlier. I don't know, um, addictive. Right. It's like a narcotic. The, the right? Hatred is like a, yeah. That's Terry Warren. He calls it. He's like this is. It's almost like a narcotic. This anger, right? Because it gives us justification, right, yeah. for our own faults and mistakes, and and it, we just get stuck in it. Right. You know. And then I just makes me think of that line from Elder Holland from all those years ago where he just talked about if everyone lived the adage of eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Um, we'd all just be blind and toothless. Is it tooth for a tooth? Is that the right phrase from the Bible? I think so. An eye for an eye, a tooth. For, is that right? Yeah. For some reason, that just sounded <laughs> not true. That I, They're making me question I myself. Know, I like, I mean, <laughs> it sounded right when it came out of me. And then I just started to think about the fact that I was like, is that actually it? I'm not really sure. but I think so. Yeah. But yeah, but that I would just be, God calls us out of that addictive cycle of hatred because of what it does for for the victims and the perpetrators, like they, yeah, it just leaves the world. God's intention of the world is to, is to create, um, you know, that just that whole, like that very beginning, he says, this is a vital prerequisite for building the savior's kingdom in every nation of the world. Like to bring about one heart, one mind, there was no poor among them. Like just to live in that place, like requires us to overcome this particular hurdle. Right. This is why the gospel is such a huge blessing because it actually helps us to see what needs to be unified and where's there room for diversity. Mm. Towards the end, Elder Suarez says, my dear brothers and sisters, may we align our hearts and minds with the knowledge and testimony that we are all equal before God that we are all fully endowed with the same eternal potential inheritance. That's one of the areas where we can say we're all the same. But then he adds this, may we enjoy more of the spiritual kinship that exists between us and value the different attributes and varied gifts we all have. And so the wisest among us know what should be unified and know where there can be variety. Hmm. And we learn in sacred places that when God created the world, he was very interested in variety. Yeah. And you don't need to yeah. go to the temple to learn that, right? You can see that in just creation itself, that um, holiness and us becoming more righteous is not an invitation to sameness. Yeah, It's an invitation to unity, unity in the most basic things of love of God, love of others, uh, keeping the commandments. But within that framework, there is a rich and endless spectrum of creativity, individuality, personality. That's the beauty of creation. Yeah. And it makes me think about, okay, so he gives the example of taking some people through the temple and teaching them like the way that we dress in the temple is a image of this. And you could be tempted to see everybody in white, you know, all the white clothes or whatever of the temple and say like, oh, God wants sameness, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, no, no, no. What that's representing is, he actually says it in that paragraph, is this. You are the same in your identity as children of God, privileged children of God. You are the same in your claim to his promises. Um, you're the same in purpose, but, you, you, but we celebrate the differences. You're different in personality. And I would say this, every time I go into the temple and I... I wrote a little post about this, like, so if you follow that, you're, you would have, um, my Instagram, you would have seen this, but when we did the open house, the Saratoga Springs open house, um, there inside 
the open house in the celestial room was all these different people and they were all wearing different clothes and they were all from looked like different walks of life and everything. And I was like, oh my gosh, I like love this picture. <laughs> you know, that image of, look, there's something that's one about all of us, but then there's also something like very different about all of us. And I was like, oh, I really, really like that picture, you know, yeah. of heaven. But those white clothes, whenever I see them in the celestial room or in the temple, I think of that phrase from the book of Revelation, like all washed white in the blood of Jesus. And I was like, that also is the same among all of us. Like what it's signifying is the same. I think it's important to right. realize there's just like, oh, all of us need the cleansing blood of Jesus. That's what's the same. We're all broken. We're all fallen. That's what unites. That's right. one of the things that unites us. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. If, um, for me, uh, we all wear the same kind of clothing in the temple. And in a sense, that brings out what matters most about our uniqueness. Uh, and on some level, clothing could be a pretty superficial way to try to <laughs> claim one's uniqueness. I mean, that might be a part of it and that's fine. But ultimately, it's our personalities. Uh, we have individual faces, eyes and ears and noses. God did not create our being, our bodies to be the same. And that's that's mm. what's one of the ways where we see that variety is, is most beautiful and wonderful, right? Yeah. Not in cheap, superficial ways, you know? Yeah. So that's another thought. I don't know. but Yeah. And there's something about this talk. It happens twice that I just really love. One, he mentions the... Um, the story of the woman who's in uh, Samaria at the well, the woman at the well. And I love in that chapter, it says where Jesus says to his, his disciples, I must needs go to Samaria. That he feels like this is an important part of my ministry to reach out to who Elder um, Suarez says, those who were considered different, belittled, or excluded. That Jesus especially is attentive He's attentive to everyone's needs, but he says, especially those who are considered different, belittled, or excluded. And I think that's just really good news that if you feel belittled, different, or excluded, you should know that Jesus is particularly interested in um, in you and that he denies none. And then he has this conversation with her, and then it says at the very end of that conversation, um, the impact of that tender ministry caused the woman to run into the city, into the people who used to consider her different and the people who belittled her. She ran into them with a message of good news. And it's like, that's so intriguing. Like you were saying, like normally you would, he should have come to her and been like, hey, is going to hate sister. Like you, you show them, you, you, you know, you, you get successful, <laughs> you, you know, but instead whatever happened in that, tender encounter caused her to now run into them with good news and with encouragement and with hope yeah. and interaction with him changed the way she saw other people. Right. Yeah. I mean, and in, in, in connection with that, there is nothing that will make us feel more included, more loved than extending that love to others. Right. If we feel like an outsider, then go and welcome in the outsiders. And because the love of God will flow f uh, through you and from your heart to others, and then that's how you you experience it. Yeah, which is exactly what happened on the cross. Right. That's exactly what Jesus was, was doing there, and that's why it becomes that 
almost feels like, oh, I just look to that and have that tender experience viewing what happened there and then let that heal and change your heart. That's the beginning of the chain reaction of love that welcomes all outsiders into his kingdom. Yeah. Oh, so awesome. All right. See you next week. 